Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I'll transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another off-season edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let me go ahead and bring in the rest of the team so we do not waste any more time. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you this week, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? A real quick note about Matt. We were just talking about this before we went on the air. Matt, as everybody who listens to this show knows, is uh, a daily fantasy guru. Uh, makes his hay during the NBA season. The NBA is over, so Matt... Just like to tell the folks out there one area that you're looking into to uh, for the month of July to fill your daily fantasy requirements and needs. Uh, most likely WNBA. Mm. Just have the same sport, just female version. There you go. Boom. Money is money. <laughs> numbers are numbers. Right. Numbers are numbers. Numbers are numbers. Sports are sport. Yeah. Pace. No, I agree. <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me. I don't know why people, more people don't do it. You just probably gave away one of your good secrets. You probably shouldn't even tell people that. It's, probably it's one a, of those secrets, nice but how many people are actually going to go follow it, though? What's right? odd is well, when well, you, look you at the, look at the sport, uh, like the way that people are more traditionalist for basketball, Yeah, if you really like, want that type of basketball, I'm an NBA guy. I love the modern game where the NBA athleticism, all that's going. But yeah. if you like, you know, just I mean, discipline and a nice, mm-hmm. well-run offense, watch you some WNBA, and you're going to find exactly that. Yeah. This is true. Rod, you know at some point Matt's going to leave us because somebody's going to hire him to be like their daily fantasy guru. And just uh, if they're smart, they would, yeah. It would be fun to do that stuff. Yeah, because they'd probably get him on the cheap right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before he before he knows how much he's worth in, that, in the game. Exactly. And before sports betting becomes legal, too. Yes. And the main thing is the real right big now money is to take yes, advantage of doing yeah. like there, I don't see how those dudes go out there and make teams and do all the research and then are the talking heads for hours. Like, there's not enough time in the day. It's like with me, it feels like anytime I'm not researching, it's taking away from my potential on that end. But then you always Well, they have know. assistance. Yes. You don't. I True. mean, that's the people who are Delegation really. Delegation. Yeah, duties. once you get to a certain status, you, you hire people like, okay, that busy work that Jeff took for four hours to do when he was rabbit holing uh, about yep. that one stat about whatever it was. Uh, you, you you just say, hey, man, you hit somebody up. As a matter of fact, when you work for ESPN, this is what you do. Yeah. They literally have an apartment I for you. I used to you be can, that guy. You, yeah, there you go. stats guy you, for LHN. You, sit, you hit him up with an email or hopefully you got somebody you're really cool with that's a text. You, you can text him in that department and go, hey, man, this is a stat that I really want to look at. Can you look at, you know, fourth downs, in uh, you know fourth downs with le- less than two to go in the fourth quarter, circumstance being game within seven points yep. for Sam Ellinger. I just want to look at that real quick. You know I mean? like me. And they got a database. <laughs> and they'll hit you up within uh, probably about I don't know two hours and have that stat ready for you. Well, if you and listen, with some extended stuff with it, you know what right. I mean. If oh, what I also found was this. You know, the like, MLB right. guy uh, Tim Kirkjian's amazing, and his best friend in all his entire life is a guy at Elias Sports Bureau. And all yeah. he does is called his buddy at Elias, yeah. and he gives him his laundry 
laundry list on a daily basis, but that's just morning coffee for Tim. If I made it big, I'd hire you. Trippy Tim. And, and Kirk, Kirk <laughs> I've heard, you know, some. Uh, I love Kirkson because he'll he's come so up good. with something like, this guy has, he's the, the left-handed hitter with the most home runs in the month of July and in odd-numbered years since forever. Yeah, and then you just so like, what? Oh, no, okay, so I, I, I can't dispute that. He was stuck yeah, in a road sure. trip to get to the <laughs> Women's College World Series, so he said he did his brain exercise of home run leaders by last name. So you just say oh, it like geez. a letter, like Q, Carlos Quinton, all-time leading home run guy in MLB history. Z, or if you go to X, there's never been a guy named X to hit a homer in the entire ba- uh, history of MLB baseball. No last name X. Yeah, I saw Carlos. Absurd. I saw yeah. Carlos Quinton playing the minors, by the way, when there I was covering go. minor league baseball. All-time leading nice. guy to hit homers with the last name Q. Stanford product, by the way. <laughs> um, anyway, enough about my minor league baseball knowledge. Uh, a man who he's <laughs> that's got, also freaky and random. Uh, yes. He's he's any, got, any minor league baseball knowledge is kind of freaky, dude. Come <laughs> <Yes>. on. <laughs> the third member of our team, <laughs> he's got now. knowledge about oh, all yes, sports yes. because he is a Renaissance man, not just here on Longhorn Blitz, but on the horn, well, where you can hear him each and every weekday on the broadcast from 1 to 3. We're talking about getting paid to follow sports. Well, this man's been paid to follow it, cover it, and to play it. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree Whatever he gets that team ring in, he will wear it proudly. I promise. I'll make sure he does it. <laughs> Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you're an All-American, you're a black card member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you, brother, for the intro. I appreciate it, as always. Rod, right, let's start with some off-season new, new, newts, no, news and notes. I like that. Newts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Combine them. Yeah, yeah. News and notes. Newts. Little Isaac Newton nuggets. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Start with some off-season nuggets, and I want to start on defense because I, I got a feeling a lot of this podcast is going to be taken up by stuff relating to the offensive side of the ball. Okay. So I want to start on defense, and one of the most interesting things I've heard so far is that one of the guys making a lot of progress in the off-season program right now that Yancey McKnight reportedly loves is David Bender, the true freshman linebacker. Now, this is a guy that is enrolling for the summer. I've got a feeling, and I've had some people point this out to me, had he enrolled in January, you'd probably be talking about David Bender right now as somebody that's battling Delhi a day away and whoever, whether it's Caleb Johnson or well, those, those second, Mitchell for that. that the second group of a second layer of Well, not linebackers. just the second layer. He'd be battling Delia Dayway for that starting Mac position right really? now if he had enrolled in January. Wow. He didn't, but I had a source tell me, look, I'm not going to be shocked if by the middle of the season he's one of your two starting linebackers. The kid just is that good. And the one thing I've heard on him, Rod, wow. uh, along with the work ethic, really smart kid, intelligent. Again, Yance McKnight reportedly loves him. The best thing I probably heard about David Bender is the one thing, and I don't think he showed this until he went down to the Under Armour game in Florida. Everybody knew he was a big hitter. He was a guy that could thump between the the C gaps, but his ability to just open up and run and be able to run the ball—that's something he didn't really show until he was down in Orlando. He showed that there. I've had I had one source tell me last week this kid looks like the perfect fit for a linebacker in a Big Twelve, and we've talked about kind of where that How position is, is going. Dimension: six foot six, one about two twenty five, two thirty ish. Yeah. Again, kind of what we talk about Johnson when we look type, about. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're not saying Gary Johnson in terms of the speed, but yeah, in terms yeah, yeah, of the, but body, just type, the body type. Kind yeah, of exactly dimension. what you're looking for in a Big Twelve linebacker. Okay. But this kind of goes into the conversation we had last week, and and 
We had talked about safety, Rod, and I know we talked about B.J. Foster being that big nickel package, Chris Brown, probably one of your best 11. What do you do What do you do with the Morgan Overshone? But until you really laid it out and we kind of put it out all on the table last week, I didn't really think about, you know, linebacker is going to be important, but have we made too much of a deal about it because of just how damn good this team is at safety? Um, no, no, we because we, I think – there are going to be a couple of games here and there, and mostly that early LSU game. You know, I think if there's going to be any team that's going to try to exploit the uh, the lack of depth and proven commodities at linebacker, it's going to be LSU that's going to try to do it. Right. And, you know, I'm with you. I think you just bombard them with great safety play. I think those safeties actually are, are going to end up being good enough, but that's still early on in the season, and then maybe they can take advantage of you. But once you, you start to dive deep into Big 12 play, there's no question, you know, you're going to be playing more of those guys in the secondary than, than linebackers. And as long as you got two or three, right. you know, linebackers that you can trust, that's pretty much your nickel and your dime package is what you're going to be running. You're never going to be playing, you know, three linebackers until you, you know, maybe Case, I don't know, actually Case State's changing their offense too. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's not going to be a lot of teams where you're going to have to play that many linebackers. So you don't have to worry about it, but maybe the biggest game of the season is the one game where you do have to make sure you have depth at that position. And that's early. So yeah. you need to be figuring that out right now. That answer is right now. That solution needs to be worked out right now. There's that LSU game. The other element that I was thinking about, too, in terms of linebacker, and I'm kind of, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of in between right now. Like, it's a big deal, but maybe you. there's going to be a lot of games on your schedule where you can mask that deficiency. But I go back to last year and think about that Oklahoma State game when Mike Gundy came out with a completely different game yeah. plan and said, hey, we're basically going to use you know, two running backs, one as a lead blocker, mm-hmm. and then we'll have you know, our traditional tailback. Misdirection. And then we saw what yeah. West Virginia did where it was a like Trevon Wesco might have gotten H-back drafted position. basically off that Texas film. Yeah. Because he was a part of their offense, but Holgerson took what Gundy did and basically said, look, within the framework of what we do, what we've got, we can mirror, mimic that same thing. And they use those guys more a lot in the passing game. It's what West Virginia, a little addition that they made. Yeah. And they want to use those, those not necessarily two-back sets because they use it as an H-back, but they just use those guys in the passing game, and that was their little addition to it. So you're right. I mean, those were uh, really, really succinct game plans that found acute weaknesses within the Todd Orlando defense and we're able to explore that those are also offensive geniuses uh, for the most part with Dana Hogerson and Mike Gundy. I don't know if LSU will have that. Yeah. Um, you know, because you're talking about some of the best offensive minds in the country. But, yeah, I'm with you. That's it, And it, it was aimed at the linebackers pretty much. I mean, that game plan was aimed at confusing the linebackers, getting the linebackers to take false steps, um, misdirection, get them going one way, and then get the action another way, uh, have the you know the play action, getting the action behind them uh, with the crossing route. So, yeah, they attacked the linebackers. One of the only – and I say they were – you know, our linebackers weren't uh, some of the best in the Big 12. I, I think they were, but that was one of the only things that I saw that they were they could be exploited on, exploited with, yeah. with hey, those who game plans. Uh, you bring up LSU, Ron. I, I want to focus on this LSU offense. Look, we got plenty of time to break down this. Yeah, LSU yeah, yeah. Game. I know we're not going. But there. I, I want to look at this offense, and I hear LSU fans tell me about what LSU is trying to do. They're trying to be more spread. They're trying to be more dynamic. They brought in Joe Brady from the New Orleans Saints to be their passing game coordinator. But I look at LSU, and I think about kind of the offensive conundrum Texas has been in this whole decade until Tom Herman got here and he got Sam Ellinger, mm-hmm. and now we see where this pro spread is going. 
you can talk about, oh, we're going to add this guy and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do all this different stuff. But it's like until I see what it looks like, uh, it's just talk for me. Yeah. You know they got talent, though. Well, and, oh, and last no year with Joe Burrow, yeah. Well, in I mean, last year was the first time because it was it was funny to see a school like LSU because despite all the Texas QB conundrums for a decade, LSU may be over the one decade even worse than Texas was. But last year, you saw like a couple steps in the right direction with Joe Burrow because that was actually a high level D one player. Like LSU was struggling to get just average quarterback play. They never even had the and then the structure around it. Mm. Even despite having certain coaches at certain times that you thought were going to be able to resurrect it, it just was an exercise in futility. It reminds me of the must champ quarterbacks yeah. of Florida. And like last year, you saw some competence. And by the end of the year, you saw Joe Burrow at least be able to orchestrate an offense and feel comfortable inside. The thing is, is he was a guy that they got to a ton, like the havoc rate allowed by LSU. I think it's 85th in the nation. It was 16.7%. So you're talking almost or even more than a sixth of the time you're getting to the quarterback and then he isn't that mobile of a quarterback and then when you look at just what their offensive line was able to do and across the board they lack the ex- explosivity to where when you look at Texas going up against a team that's had a, pa- a sack rate of I think they were 101st in the nation was LSU and then allowing the havoc which also can come in on say running plays just being able to make plays in the backfield against you they aren't getting any type of even average play from the front seven so I mean you lower from the front offensive line and the quarterback play so that's not good when you're going up against Orlando and Texas's ability to bring it from every direction against a quarterback that's already not even able to play on the average playing it from Uh, in the pocket one stat I've heard LSU fans throw out there which is just it's like ice picks in my ears and eyes well Texas ranked 110th nationally in pass defense last Mm -hmm. year like there's not a worse stat you can look at when determining how good a secondary is because you play yeah. in the Big 12. You're going to give up yards. Yeah. And then when you're, you're playing leading, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and West Virginia. Yeah. Like, go back and look at some of those teams Texas played last year. Tell me where they finished in pass offense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it, well, these days in the Big 12, like you said, the teams naturally pass the ball a lot, but then when they're oh. down, they pass even more than they normally do. Yeah. And you already have teams that pass, you know, disproportionately a ton. So, really well. Yeah. And then it's, it, yeah, it's really efficient and it's some of the best hybrid spread offenses, that term that you brought up last week in the country. So, yeah, I'm not surprised at Texas. We, we talked about that with even. You know, with Vance Bedford and even, you know, even Manny Diaz. Now we look back at the 2012 teams, like the they were good given defenses, the, yeah. and they were the worst in Texas history at yeah, the time. Literally. Sure. Great point. They really were. And then team, those teams, even with good defense, they were giving up a ton of passing yards. Yeah. You know what I mean? By 2011 defense, there weren't, you know, I think pass efficiency defense because of the turnovers. They were exactly. Really it's all different metrics that you now have to measure defense by in this explosive offensive era. Yeah, you just exactly. can't go like, oh, man, you give up a ton of yards. Like, no, no, no. There are different metrics now you have to measure. And here's my thing with that game, too. Back to the point about linebacker, Rob, which I agree with you. That LSU game is one of those games you're going to need Delia Dayway to give you something. Yeah. You're probably going to need to see, can David Bender give us 10 really good snaps or whatever, yeah. whatever the number is. I know that 10 is kind of arbitrary, but it's whatever. No, 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 no I feel you. If I'm LSU, going spread against Texas is the last thing I probably want to do because on the back exactly. end, they're one of the few teams on your schedule that can match you athlete for athlete. Yeah, and that can pound the rock on you and run. Yeah, you're right. That and can you're gonna, physically match you and dominate you if you don't come to play. And if I'm a Texas fan and, and I hear LSU, well, we're going to let Steve Ensminger and Joe Brady see if they can out-scheme Todd Orlando. 
Go right ahead. Go right and ahead. See if you can see if you can go, and go with God and see if you can win that chess match. No, I, I think you make a good point. I don't know what LSU is going to try to do offensively, but yeah, if, if they, I'm them, if honestly, Rod, I probably line up and maybe go like twenty-two personnel and just try to pound Texas. Yeah, or twenty-one personnel. I think it may be better than putting Texas in their comfort zone, which is spreading them out and Texas go. Oh well, hell yeah, let's go. Not, I mean, that's, not to that's say, we, we're like, yeah, we're, athletes in space. This is exactly this is what we do every day. I mean, this is great. You it, you would basically force them to play a Big Twelve style of play, which we've all discussed. Awesome. That's the future of offense in football. Period. So that's probably where you know LSU is trying to go, at least more in that direction. But when Texas played Georgia, and this is I, I think the irony of it because I'm with you, um, Texas was able to play an SEC style game, throw a ton of you know. Defensive line, overwhelming with defensive line depth, play a physical style of play and win the line of scrimmage. And, you know, with LSU, I just assume it would be the same thing. But maybe you're right. Maybe we're in the day and age where now LSU's going to try to play Texas style of play, maybe beat Texas at Big 12 play, which I think would be a mistake. But if that's where they're going with their offense, then that's where they're going. There's this thing, like, I, I just don't know what that offense is going to look like. Again, I've heard LSU fans like, oh, they're going to be spread. We're going to do Now, this. that's the advantage. The uncertainty, yeah. that's the advantage. Now, that, right. you want to know the advantage is, LSU, the biggest advantage? It ain't really what they come out in. It's that we don't know what the hell they're going to come out yeah. in. And, and I'm with you. If he's coming from the, the Saints, right? You said he came from the Saints? Nobody's coming from, he's the, come from the Saints. He's coming from the Saints. Nobody had more. Let's just look at Let's just assume that he's got a Sean Payton influence. I'm sure i got to do a deep dive mm-hmm. and, and you know, go, you know, go deeper. But if he's from the Sean Payton tree, then Sean Payton uses more personnel packages than any coach in the NFL, and they even close. I think he the Saints scored touchdowns from 10 different personnel packages. <laughs> so they use 21, 22, 10, 11, 12. And I'm not just making these things up. They've had three quarterbacks on the field, actually, during certain formations. Yeah. So you talk about a ton of creativity. All right, this is a guy that they they brought in Taysom Hill strictly to make him their their Frankenstein. Like he they love you know guys who have hybrid skill sets, and LSU's got a lot of freak athletes. Yeah. You know what and I mean? I'm sure bodies. they and big bodies, that, and they may have some guys. You're like, nah, in this situation, I'm gonna. And that's what the, that's what Sean Payton does, right? He's like, oh no, it's 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 uh it's first uh well first and goal on the five yard line. All right, now yeah, yeah, we're gonna go twenty. We're gonna go twenty two personnel, but I want this guy, this guy, this guy. Like he, you know, he has different fullbacks and tight ends that he values. It's a strange uh, philosophy because usually more people these days are like, no, no, eleven personnel. Um, but we're gonna throw in a lot of different formations out of the, the same per- same personnel package. The Sean McVay, Tom Herman likes that. But man, Sean Payton, it is just it's a it's a mind blank. Like if you're a, you're a defensive guy, you gotta research that week because you know he's gonna throw a ton of different formations at you more than anybody else. So I wonder if that's where they're going. Simplistic. Still can run the ball at you, and he's not necessarily going spread all the time. Yeah, sometimes I can go spread, but he's got Alvin Kamara's and Taysom Hills that make them multiple anyway. So, and obviously LSU's not going to have all of that. But, but they have the ability to go two tight uh, ends. Like if you two tight ends, well, twenty-one personnel. Roster, yeah, you look at LSU. Stephen Sullivan was six-seven junior last year, six-six D. Anderson, and then you have six-four yeah. freshman Terrence. This guy's a list as wide receivers. Yes, but so they can you be can, your, exactly like your Dan Arnold, <laughs> your Sam Hills, those type yeah. of guys that they can go and make your multiple. flex, your big exactly. flex tight end, your Malcolm. Well, we think Malcolm Epps can end yep. up being right. for Texas or what Lil Jordan Humphrey was. They got a couple of guys like that. And what do we say about Lil Jordan Humphrey? What was the perfect place for him to go? Mm-hmm. 
New Orleans Saints. Because they love that role. I used <laughs> they those use, names yeah. before. The yeah. Hill, right? Josh you put that Hill, big, and Dan Arnold. And you, that great point, Matt. They bring out those big wide receivers, put them in the slot, uh-huh. give Texas a taste of their own damn medicine. Yeah, Texas is used to it, but damn. You know, you start throwing in a lot of different formations to hide that and deception and motions and shifts. You know, I mean, just that alone, Maryland gave Texas a little bit of trouble with, you know, uh, something similar. I mean, they were running a lot of 12 personnel and 21 personnel, and they would motion and yeah, shift. Texas the reason to play safeties, though. Just throw all the safeties out there. I agree. I agree. I'm more safety. <laughs> yeah, I'll hey, I'll I'm that. all about more safeties. It'll be fun to watch, like a football right? fan for, just ooh, thinking about it. Now, yeah, for what point. A, Joe Brady's got a pretty a diverse background for a young guy because he was Joe Moorhead at Penn State. Oh, RPOs. Years. And Means he likes the RPO. He was with uh, he was with the Saints for for two years. Uh, ooh, that's a, that's a scary little mix, man. And yeah. but my concern is this, Rod. I want to talk about. Okay, I want to see what it looks like. Like, at what point does does Ed Orgeron just say, "No, I just want to be. We just want to play hard nosed physical football," and then that's what they do. He's an O line guy. And at some point, do you right? just kind of have a yeah. D line guy? At some point, do you just have this just this kind of clash? And, and I'm speaking because we saw it at Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Mac Brown brings in Brian Harson. Well, we want to be this and we want to do this. And, like, there was a reason Brian Harson took that Arkansas State job sight unseen, right? Yeah. No, you right. We can all agree on that. No question. Like, okay. just because you can hire guys with great backgrounds that are great minds, but if, 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 from, if starting at the top – if that doesn't jive with what that guy wants, alignment, as it, Tom Herman likes to call it, it doesn't. Re- it doesn't really matter what you want to throw out there. Yeah, no, I agree with you one hundred percent. No, yeah. I'm with you. I um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's that's a good. I I don't know how it's structured, what the hierarchy is there. If they're going to give him, he's just a passing game coordinator or the actual OC. He's what? the pa- He's the passing game coordinator. I don't because yeah, that, that's, I think Ensminger's still calling the plays. See, I don't know exactly yeah, you know in college football that's weird. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, can, you can be basically just a guy that does nothing, and they'll give you that title, and you just sit there, and you know, you do his work. You know, the practice is basically an install and all that. So. Yeah, I mean, we're bringing up all this stuff about his influence, which would be great. But if he's not calling the plays, you right. can only do so much as an influencer. Yes, you know and I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll find the sound for later on when, when we do a LSU preview. But if you listen back, there's just an amazing sound coming from the voice of Ed Orgeron because he sounds like a swamp monster. <laughs> he does. But he's so <laughs> impressed by the work of our analysts. And he, there's a game that he just talks and he's just effusing joy and he's it's amazing what our analysts can do these days. And like uh-huh. that guy sounds like a caveman talking about modern football. Yeah. And it sounds like it opened his mind to a lot of things. So I don't. Don't put it past this dude yeah. that he's like, oh, those analysts, I just let them do what they do in their room. No, no, no. Mac Brown I, Mac Brown now is a guy who has uh, seen the light, too. He, yeah. He was kind of an old school guy. You're in the media world. You see it, too. Yeah, now he's Orgeron like, did that you know, he was calling up Cliff Kingsbury like, hey, man, uh, you got some, uh, who do you think are the, the, the cutting-edge offensive minds? I mean, because yeah. he understands, like, okay, you know what, I may have, I was right here for the uh, you know for the the, the experiment mm-hmm. the great experiment of the air raid I witnessed it I was right there for it and now it's taking over mm-hmm. everything and hell I probably instead of jumping to try to you know be the next Alabama yeah I probably should have been the first blue blood uh, mm-hmm. well actually second because Oklahoma did it first the second blue blood to win a national title with just running the damn air raid now you got the you SEC know what I mean? West <laughs> doing it no they're, everybody's they're, they're, like they're, oh, nah, we're gonna run that the yeah. last one to ever jump off the ships can be the SEC West and yeah, they're yeah. even buying into yeah. It. Yeah, and actually, if you look at the SEC West, I mean, you, hell, Ole Miss had, uh, last year their OC mm-hmm. was Phil Longo, who we said doesn't have plays. 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. No, exactly. No, you're right. Speaking of what you're talking Chad, about, the, Chad Morris, the O line coach at USC. I remember when Graham Harrell came in. I read a story that the O line coach he was uh, he was I guess a little perturbed that you know they didn't have a playbook, and yeah. he was like. What, what do you mean you we ain't got a playbook? He's like, well, we ain't got a playbook. Muddy up and, their then, minds. Yeah, and then it was kind of a, a whole philosophical shift there. It was like, no, 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 we don't need a playbook. Trust me, I'll break it down for you. And then the old line coach kind of had that Ed Orgeron moment like, oh, I just got to mm-hmm. see what y'all are doing here. Yeah. Okay. We, right, we've talked I mean? to, we talked about it here with like people from the Art Briles tree, like Kendall Briles goes to Florida State. And I remember our, like, our Florida State guys writing the stories, oh, Florida State's getting used to not having a playbook. Like, How do you not have a playbook? I'm like. How much more do you need to research them here and shoot <laughs> to know there ain't no physical playbook that exists? No physical playbook. It's anymore. all in the minds of the guy, whether it's yeah, Sterling yeah, yeah. Gilbert or Kendall Browns or Dino Babers, whoever it is. It's, it's like, all what? in their head. It's crazy. But it's, it's it's conceptual. Now, football is conceptual, so they are taught the concepts. And actually, I think it makes you a smarter football player, honestly. Yeah. yeah it's it's like a, it. you lo- You actually learn the game instead of it's almost like it, it's learning of any kind, right? It's Even in baseline. school, instead of reciting something a teacher gives you. Not memorization. You actually, yeah, it's not memorization. You actually learn it and learn how it works. Yeah, it's so. football freestyling. Like yeah. You have to go out there and yeah. immediately see and everybody be orchestrating something together the way that, say, a band would be able to do something together. You know? Yeah. So, again... You know, looking at this LSU game, uh, you bring up a great point, Ryan. I think you hit the nail on the head. LSU's advantage is probably just that uncertainty. Yes, that Texas really doesn't know what to expect, but I'm still looking at it like I, I just I, I want to see what it looks like because I just feel like when push comes to shove, I think Ed Orgeron's going to want to line up in, you know, 12 personnel or 22 personnel and just try to pound a rock. But as you pointed out, that's the advantage. Like to me, I, that, I or, think yeah, so. and I think you're right. Early, I, early. If you're if you're playing this game early in the year, I think that's fresh. the advantage you have against Texas with yep. your offensive line against a Texas defensive line, a defensive front that we know is talented, but they're experienced. Like if I'm if I'm at Orgeron, I'm like I want Keandre Coburn playing forty snaps. Mm-hmm. I don't yep. want him playing twenty five. I yeah. want him playing forty snaps. I want to run twenty one personnel, twelve personnel. I'm with Matt. I like that idea about them big wide receivers lined up tight in, you know, minus splits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of how the Rams do where they end yeah. up being blockers on they can chip linebackers as they run to the second levels for, for plays. A little mystery. I'm with you. I like I like them in tw- 21. I'd run 12 early on, and I'd stay in those, and I'd run different formations. And I'm with you. I'd go after yeah. Texas. If, I'd stay away from those DBs. Right. I'm going after the, I'm going after that D well, line. I'm going after those linebackers. If you're LSU, your yeah. advantage is I don't want – I would rather have Jamari Chisholm or Marquez Bimage on the field than DeMarvion Overton yeah. or Chris Brown. Make them have to rotate those D linemen over and over again. And if they want to bring their safeties in the box, that's where I'd rather them be than roaming the field and covering space, which is what they're used to doing. Let's get them in the box and then we'll take our shots, which LSU, that's really what they kind of did last year. They took shots like well, that. Well, and, and like you guys said, when you've got guys like D. Anderson and Terrace Marshall, I mean, you've got guys, just like we talked about with Colin Johnson and L.J. Humphrey last year, hell, throw them a 50-50 ball. Two, two of the three things that can happen are good. You can catch it, you can draw a P.I., or maybe it's incomplete. It's a great way of staying away from the safeties but attacking the young corners. Yeah. Yeah, to stay away from the strength. If if I'm if I play Texas this year, I want them safeties in the box. I want to make them tacklers. I want them. I want. So that's why I'm coming at Texas. I'm. I want to run at Texas. I want them to bring those safeties down because those safeties are roaming the field, and you're screwed, man. They can cover so much space. Yeah. And if they're in coverage, that's when they're at their best. To force, me, force them to be stationary. You know, like exactly like, like we talked last year. You know, when Texas went through that, and it was really weird how it happened. When Texas went through that rut, and part of that. 
not to say that it was the whole reason why, but part when they were in that rut, keep in mind with the the not the Oklahoma State game, but because that was a different deal. And that was a great game plan by Mike Gundy, and you had the two corners out, and there were just all kinds of yeah. issues. And we saw Texas once the two veteran corners got back in, they were much better from like mid second quarter on mm-hmm. playing defense. But the West Virginia the Texas Tech game, Brandon Jones was out both those games, and we yeah, really saw that. Todd Orlando at that point kind of be forced to pigeonhole Caden Stearns and hey I need you to be here your point with Caden Stearns all year right he'll move him around put him on a hash put him deep. just yeah. make sure he's in a different spot every play so that they, that they quarterback out okay where's seven I gotta know where seven is where's seven yep. and that's your advantage if you're an opposing offensive coordinator playing Texas I've got to do what I can to make sure Caden Stearns is in one spot I know yep. pretty much where he's going to be on every snap well he can't he, he doesn't use his instincts as much as I'm not saying he's, a, he's not a great tackler those guys we saw in the Georgia game when they got to come down in the box and make plays the DBs can do it uh, but I think you are you, you are more of an advantage and can attack those corners when you got to this year, you, you're going to want to try to attack those corners. Yeah. You're going to try to pass the football versus Texas. Right. And, not, and not saying they're going to be bad, but they're in they're inexperienced and unproven commodities, much like the linebackers yeah. and like the second yeah. group of that D line. That's that's how you come at Texas until they prove themselves, and then you have to adjust. But early on, if I'm LSU, I think you're right, man. Twenty one and twelve personnel early on. And, and let's be yeah. let's be real, like LSU's probably the only team on the schedule that can do that. Like maybe maybe Iowa State gets to a point where maybe they could do that because, you know, Matt Campbell stylistically can do some mm, of those things. Yeah. Maybe Baylor by the end of the year because, we know, Matt Rule again stylistically does some of those things. But LSU mm. is the only team on the schedule that can come out like in a base 22 personnel and just – Oklahoma, just it, it's not base twenty one or twenty two, but they would, they love twenty one personnel. They true, and they would they would obviously they I would trick what, it up. I want to see what their offensive line looks like having a play. Having lost, four, yeah, I agree with that. Too. And when you look at, I'm glad you brought that up because it was exactly my thought earlier when we started talking about LSU and say like it's sort of just the good luck situation Texas finds it in. The one possible weakness that you're vulnerable at. Not only may come in a non-conference game that, in theory, won't affect your impact for the long term, yeah. but also then when you get into the Big 12, how you already don't have, say, a team that may be able to exploit that vulnerability. But then the best minds, like, Holgerson's gone. Like, you mm-hmm. don't have to fear West Virginia Kingsbury. right now in my mind yeah. the way they used to be. Kingsbury's gone. Like, last time that happened was Tuberville. Like, it's sort of a gift for Texas that you had the, what was the thing that broke your defense over time more than anything you might have got lucky and just had two of them Agreed. leave and not get replaced and then the one massive vulnerabilities in a non-conference game that if you are exploited well you obviously can have a reason to fix something that's broken early and have it not impact you but then it doesn't even impact the fact that now you're going to be just trying to play Oklahoma twice every single yeah. year in the Big 12 championship game and this year sort of sets up easier for all of those things to happen no I agree that's a great point too you're right maybe it's just lady luck yeah, sometimes <laughs> you need luck, though. Todd Orlando, like, yeah, he doesn't have to worry about those air raids picking them apart. Even if they you win those games, mm-hmm. hell, they still expose yes. Texas in a lot of areas. So, Cliff, because all the years yeah. you just see these, and I always say they were they were all linked, right? They were all cousins. Mm-hmm. Philosophically, those air raid guys, right? The Lincoln yeah. Riley, Cliff Kingsbury, even Art Browse to a certain extent, Mike Gundy off a little cousin, he's a little third cousin over there, mm-hmm. because they, they were from the air raid tree. They could look at those concepts and go, oh, I see what the mm-hmm. hell they're doing to 
Texas. Man, that's that old. Okay, that's I got, what we got. got. We got. We got that. We call it the cowboy. We worked there for a week in August. Boom. So we're gonna do that, and then we're gonna add this and add that. So they were. That's why he would get hit with. You know, it'll be you know Gundy would hit him up, and then I then Hogan would go. Oh, I got you, Gundy. I know because me and you we think alike. We used to work together. I know what to do. Boom. Then he would hit him, and then Cliff Keith's very go. Oh, I see what my old boys did there in the air raid. Man, watch what I do to him. And then, mm-hmm. boom, Cliffy would hit him up. And then how you get to the end of the road, and then Lincoln Riley goes, oh, by the way, you got to hit me up again in the Big yep. 12 title game. And then I now know exactly he doesn't what have to Baker do. and doesn't yeah. have Kyler. Yeah. Like, that's another so, gift you're gifted yeah. this year. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Here, Here's the challenge, though. This is where the challenge is for Todd mm-hmm. Orlando. When you look at some of the new coaches coming into the league, like Chris Kleiman at K-State, I mean, it's going to be somewhat similar, I would think, on the surface. I haven't studied, I haven't studied his old offense, but I got a feeling it's going to be somewhat in the neighborhood of what K State's kind of always done or what they've mm-hmm. done the last few years. But like Matt Wells at Texas Tech, yeah. Todd Orlando worked for Matt Wells. Yeah. So if anybody you, knows how to attack Todd Orlando's defense, hell, it's probably Matt Wells. Is it Utah State? And yeah. Vice versa, yeah. though. Good Was point. this DC for if two If anybody years? knows yeah. how to defend it, yeah. it is a guy like Orlando familiar. And then, that's some familiarity. And, and Neil, Neil Brown, again, we talked about this sure. last week, though, the term that I think people need to get used to hearing about Big 12 offenses now is hybrid spread. That's what Neil Brown calls his Troy offense. Yeah. But Neil Brown also played for Hal Mummy and Mike Leach, so I think he's mm-hmm. got some of the air stuff. Kind of yeah. in the back pocket. You keep mm-hmm. that at the back of the, mm-hmm. the back of the playbook, right? Yeah. Well, it's, just, it's probably built into a lot of his concepts yeah. naturally. Just yeah. some of those principles. It's but still there, just not get one a, of the Mount Rushmore. If, if guys. you get a yeah. chance, if you get a chance, right? Go go pull up some Troy film and, yeah. and just kind of watch some of the things they do there. Hell, right? They used love, to watch a lot of Troy. They love different yeah. personnel <laughs> packages. Right. Yeah, they love it. different personnel packages and kind of some misdirections and yeah. some different things. So their offense is kind of fun to watch. But Neil Brown's, uh, you know, they built that Troy program. Kind of on being a hard nosed physical defensive team. They almost yeah. beat the hell out, or did they beat? They beat LSU. LSU. They yeah, beat LSU I, two years ago. I remember in Baton Rouge. That. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, just the the challenges are still there. It's Good just kind of. I think for Todd Orlando, it's got to be refreshing. Like, okay, I don't got to worry about the air rate anymore, but. It's a whole new summer. Now I got new film to study. I've got new it stuff is, to look at. But I think it's easier for him, honestly. Yeah. I, the, I, the, what I've studied from Todd Orlando just in the two years that I've, you know, get, got a chance to look at him and learn the defense. That air raid was was kind of his kryptonite, man. It really was. It was just and, and, and the truth is, it's, it's probably everybody's kryptonite. Like honestly, yeah, Gary Patterson, hell, he decided if you can't beat them, join them. He was That's like, why oh, I'm you know so what happy I they're gone, <laughs> right? No Hogerson in Kingsbury. Yeah. The- Bob Stoops was smart enough to go. Hell, I'm a defensive genius. You know what? I want the air raid yes. paired up with my offenses. You yes. know what I mean? Like I think it, it's it's whipped every. I don't know if there's a great defensive mind in the Big Twelve that's really been able to solve it, solve it, but. You know, I mean, Texas just had so much talent, like, at some points in, oh, you know, oh four, oh five, oh eight, oh. you know, I mean, that, hell, it didn't matter what the hell you put out there. They would have they would have been able to beat any type of philosophy. That goes back to where I think you hang your hat on as, as we get ready to shift to talking about the offense. If you're a Texas fan wondering what this defense is going to look like, that's what you hang your hat on is you hang your hat on talent because at the end of the day, you freaking went on defense with players. Yeah, you, you can have the greatest schemes. And this is, this is what I try to tell Oklahoma people about Alex Grinch. I'm not taking anything away from Alex Grinch. I think that was a great hire yeah, it was for great Oklahoma. Hire. He's a yeah. really, really good defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. One of the best, if not the best, in the country. Yeah, Alex Grinch isn't going to change the fact that their corners are garbage. Very true. But i got to tell you, we here in Texas have seen, have seen our – 
players look like garbage in in mm-hmm. bad systems where they're not yep. motivated, where the personnel is not used correctly, and then you bring in another guy, mm-hmm. and then boom, overnight, it's like, what the hell? Where did this guy come from? Well, how the hell did Holden Hill become a really good player? Well, what the hell? I thought he was a scrub. I yep. thought what Deshaun Elliott's now awesome. Yeah. Like, what the hell? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, no, actually – they just need to be in the right system, which they we always say it. in the NFL. Like, if you find the right system, you can end up becoming a star in the league. You're in the wrong system, you'll be out the league in two and a half years. Yeah, but Same talent level. But, you you're, I mean? but you're, talking mm-hmm. about, you're talking about Deshaun Elliott, who was a draft pick, was a unanimous. unanimous no, I agree. But Holton Hill, had he not had the issues, would have been a top two. No, I agree. But Oklahoma's not recruiting straight that. scrubs. Like, they're not all scrubs. Can we agree that they, they may not be as talented, but they're also underachieving? Yes, they're also yeah. being un- they're, they're they're also being un- I mean coached badly. Like it's it's a lot it of things. They're tackling hard. Like, remember how badly we used to tackle? Do you remember that? Yeah. Those Do you teams. remember how badly Texas used to tackle? Yeah. Oh my God! It was like we would make fun of it all the it time. Like, it was, and by the way, it happened to Todd Orlando again this year. Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They got they were on the stretch Even there. They started missing like twelve missing like twelve, fourteen tackles a game. And he said, oh, we're hitting at practice every day. I don't give a damn. We're not taking the day off of hitting. We're hitting at practice because my guys don't know how to tackle. And he fixed it. So that's why I like Todd Orlando. My point being, man, th- th- there is a there is in, there is change, I think, that can be that that can be made at Oklahoma on defense. And I think starting with the leadership, it can it can be Monumental, like it can it be exponential. Be mu- it can't be much worse. Well, it won't can, be worse. It'll be better. I guarantee you, it'll yeah. be better. And the talent they're getting, even if it's they yeah. aren't the top recruits, is the second best group of kids in the conference. This is also true. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're acting like they're just straight up. No, scrubs. I, I'm just. I, I mean, I, I, it's look, Oklahoma. I've seen. I've seen really good Oklahoma secondaries. What I saw last year was not one of them, and I'm just not a big fan of where those. No, the I agree. Of that secondary, but they were undisciplined and they were not well coached. I we're mean, facing they was, another one in yeah. LSU. Like, look at LSU and the amount of talent that's been through that place in the past I, decade, and they've looked so ugly at times dude. on both sides. Even whenever on defense, sometimes like they've had great Just, defense. I don't know, man. LSU, LSU defensively—that's usually the one thing you could you, you can, can count hang on. your hat on. True, yeah, but still, when that. you look at individual players and what they've came out of there, it's like I don't know. You can just see these type of pockets all the way across certain areas. Sometimes you just got a lot of talent that isn't being fully developed to I the agree. highest developed. Yeah. And Rod, uh, actually LSU's best in the secondary this year, Grant Delpit, he's a he's, he's a, a DB freak. high guy before yeah. he went to IMG. He was a Lamar guy. Oh, was he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. He's a freak, yeah. yeah. I mean, I watched some film on him. He's a freak. Yeah. It's because he's from DB high. DB high, man. That's all we do. I, I, that's got to be. I, I don't know. I got to start doing research on any Other. school in the country putting out DBs in the NFL like we are. I bet. Know. You gotta make shirts or something. I do. You we gotta get out of gas again and try to take a picture or something. I don't know. It'd be absurd, y'all. That is pretty crazy out of one high school. It's like, pretty crazy. There's one DB ever out of like this entire city. Well, since Derek Strait, there was Michael Griffin in Michael Austin, Griffin. and that's yeah. about it in the whole city. You're talking about your one high school. Just got like five guys. <laughs> yeah. You, what you need? Texas. What you need to do, Rod? You need to get with the folks at Last Stand Hats. Shout out Last Stand mm-hmm. Hats, by the way, and see if they can shout help out to my man Mike DB High. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I do. And screw DBU, the real one. <laughs> but they're they're selling. They, uh, they last day is selling the DBU. Again. Yeah. Yeah. they yeah. changed the uh, cease and desist. Changed. They no, no, they changed it up a little bit. The logo nice. to, to to get around the cease and desist. Oh, uh, they use the dots. Yes, they changed it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Mike's pretty smart <laughs> about that. They hired their own lawyers. Uh, well, good. Just a tiny grammar punctuation. That's lesson. all it takes. That's all it takes, man. <laughs> Your shade off that burnt orange. Texas won't sue you. No. Nope. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of last stand hats, if uh, Mike, you guys are listening, I need to get the hookup on one of those hats. There's a certain style there that I like, so mm-hmm. uh, need to get that done. Show. So I want to move on, talk some offense this week, Rod. Last week we talked about fourth down 
that was a big part of uh, the big part. It was a part of what we talk. You know what? I need to start getting me some notes for this show because I just start talking and sometimes just ramble. Oh, sometimes and the best stuff comes myself, out that so. way. Best way to go is freestyle, man. Um, we talked about fourth down, and actually, let me shelve the fourth down stuff real quick because I got I got to talk about Herb Hand, and Herb Hand had what's probably the the tweet of the week. He tweeted this because we are in recruiting dead period, so there's not much for the coaches to do, and we're coming up. On the 4th of July, Herb Hand tweeted this over the weekend. After a great conversation with my wife, Deborah Hand, I have decided to commit commit to a summer vacation beginning today. I would like to thank my family, my head coach, Tom Herman, and the O-line unit at the University of Texas for their support of my decision. This has been an incredibly easy decision, and I look forward to spending the next three weeks of my life relaxing. No interviews, please. Signed, Herb Hand. So... Uh, Rod, this is a well-deserved, and the the he titled the tweet "Respect My Decision" hashtag blessed. Yeah, um, which is great. He's a comedian of sorts. I've heard what uh, what I dig about Herb Hand is this is a well-deserved vacation because you start looking at his first year plus in the program, Rod, and you look at the good things he's done, and really going into 2019, there's really three things to me. So was that a, like a, a bird that, just flew into a the bird just flew into falcon the or something? That that is. Wow. I wish what that Travis that? was here to videotape it. What was that? He's stuck right here on the side of the vulture. He's right here. You can see him, man. That's crazy. Look at him. You can turn around here. I can pull this out. It's like how one flew... So if y'all remember back, ESPN had uh, a whole window. It was Stephen A. Smith's former office had a turkey vulture fly straight through it. Anyways, there's a turkey vulture that Rod's taking a picture of right now. He left the studio, and his homeboy is posted up. I don't even know. It must be a one-inch little area. If you want to peek out that window, Jeff, you can no, see No, I know him. what it looks like. I just, like, man, is that like – I had I started having flashbacks uh, – Matt, you remember that episode? Rides back in. Wow, sorry. That was awesome. That was I just remind. Did you see back whenever uh, wow. about three months ago, ESPN headquarters had one of those fly straight through into Stephen A. Smith's office, busted the window straight open, and Turkey Vulture lived, but he busted out the window. We got lucky it's he didn't bust crazy. that window. Matt, what? Uh, you remember that episode of King of the Hill where uh, Dale got that falcon? Yes. And it kept attacking Bill, and yes. then he let it go, and then <laughs> mm-hmm. the falcon, the the falcon came back. It was a falcon Oh, and that was like they were having that conversation in the alley where Dale's just wearing the glove at that mm-hmm. point to keep his beer from ah. his beer from cooling his hand <laughs> and his hand from warming his beer. Yes. And then Bill was talking about not to beat a dead horse, but which which is your favorite sausage? Apple and cheddar, jalapeno, <laughs> and then the fa- the falcon came back and attacked him. Takes his face out. Yeah. Anyway. That was um, nuts. So let's back to Herb Hand. Rod, there's 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 three things going into the season that I think Herb Hand deserves his vacation for. Number one to me is having a system that's teachable to the players, that jobs with what Tom Herman wants to do on offense, that guys understand it. It's all about establishing fundamentals. Man, I can't stress enough when you're talking about offensive line play, you've got to have a good fundamental base of what you're doing. And part of that is, Rod, I know you've been out to practice and seen it. I've been out to practice and seen it. I've heard Tom Herman talk about it. He even talked about it as recently as the Angelo Clinic. Herb Hand does the same drills every day. They they work the hell of that two-man sled, the Crowther sled. They do all kinds of footwork mm-hmm. drills just to make sure they're continuing to build that base and build on that foundation of O-line play. And we can talk about you can talk about schemes, but, man, if you don't have the foundation, you don't have the fundamentals, you really yeah. don't have anything when you're talking about yeah. building a good all of, I'm sure every, every blocking scheme starts with 
those basic fundamentals. So he's like, no, no, this is what we got ingrained. Everything's going to start there. Everything's going to start the same way, which is good. I mean, that's great in terms of those guys there, in terms of their memory and being able to recall it. No, everything starts the same way, no matter if you're going to pull or if you're at this technique or if you're blocking this shoulder and have this leverage, you're going to start with these three things, whatever it is. And that's so perfect also because they're making it look the same to the defense. You don't know. I mean, it's birthed in this RPO-type offensive line that you then aren't going to be reading a key and then be tipped off to the play. And then if we're loitering around in this – what is it now? A two-yard zone that you feel safe, but mm-hmm. you can go out three yards yeah. from your area, and if you're always well, coming out the same way, man you're living field. in this mm-hmm. RPO land that you literally make the defense be on their heels and defensive, and you control everything. Not only how we talk about you know running the ball allows you to control tempo and dictate and play the type of game that you want. You can go fast, but you can also then slow it down, or you can wear down a team. Well, then now if you're inside this RPO land that every single play has that option within it, it just makes the defense sit back and have no ability to be able to come in throw at you or they can, but it's a huge risk, and that's where Texas has been so good being able to get home on in, on the back end on defense, and then if you on the other end when you're on offense, the other team can't come after you, limit turnovers, everything just makes everything so much better for the team. The yeah. other thing that I really like that Herb Hand has done, and it's, what, it's part of what he's done on the recruiting trail, the other part of it is what Yancey McKnight has done with those guys in the weight room, but you know, one thing that stood out to me, this week was the footwork king Rashad Whitfield, who trained Javon Shepard, was one of his mentors, said Javon Shepard's already down from 311 pounds to 294 uh, and apparently looks good physically. I know Isaiah Hookfin reported at 309, which was really good considering he looked a lot leaner than that in some of his high school tape and mm. was said to probably be like in the 280, so 300 plus, and Yancey's going to work with that. But, Rod, you start – that's the one position where we've talked about for years on this podcast, since we started this podcast, what do you have to do to get talented depth along the offensive line? And you just start thinking about those tackle positions. You've got Shepard and Hookfin, you've got Reese Moore, and you've got Christian Jones. That's four good young tackles. You've kicked Graffiti Gramai inside, decided, okay, he's going to be kind of our center for the future. You've got mm-hmm. Junior Angelau, who was running with the ones by the end of spring practice. Now you start looking at that offensive line and you can say, and then not to mention the offensive line class that he's building, the Herb Hand's building in this 2020 class with Jalen Garth and Logan Parr and Jake Majors, and I feel pretty confident they're going to get Chad Lindbergh. That's four really, really good offensive line prospects from within the state. Now you're starting to see on that offensive line, okay, it's talented depth and twofold. It's a scheme that you know these guys can fit in. It's a system where it's not going to change for the foreseeable Mm -hmm. future and Guys are actually going to Texas getting developed now. Yeah. Um, you know, once you start developing NFL offensive linemen, which I think that's the ultimate goal, you know, then the cycle will be complete. You know, bringing in very talented guys. You got Herb Hand, a great, you know, developer and a great, you know, talent evaluator, also a guy that can teach the techniques very well. And he's lovable and likable and everybody likes him. He's kind of an unofficial mascot. He's He's probably the most lovable version of these O-line coaches we mm-hmm. talked about who have that mix of crazy and, you know, they can, you know, they can. He could be a fictional character in a book because it's based <laughs> yeah. on all the cool yeah, little you know things what I mean? about him. But, uh, I, yeah, I think, uh, that you know, that's the next, that's the only step right now I think they're missing because I'm with you. I think now they've gotten to the point now where they have some depth and they have guys that they're developing. They literally, they have 
they have you know brought these guys in, recruited them, and specifically, no, no, we're going to develop you. We don't need you. We don't want to have to play you right now. We want you to learn the culture, get stronger, get better, learn the technique, get comfortable, compete, and you know we're going to start developing a pipeline. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we know when these guys will be ready to play and 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 when they can develop and what they, what they can develop into. And Texas got into a point where they were they were playing a lot of offensive linemen out of necessity. I mean, it got to the point where it was always an emergency situation playing this guy here because somebody got hurt or having to play this guy too early. I don't think we'll have that for the next three or four years, hopefully. And they've done a good job bringing you know the patchwork guys in via JUCOs when they have to yep. too. Any pot. Uh, any possible solution to fix the offensive line? That was my uh, the third thing I was going to give Herb Hand props for is getting Parker Braun in the program this yep. summer. Feels an immediate need. Was a top offensive line offensive lineman on the grad transfer market. But Rod, going, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. The relatability going back to that, and I talked to Darius James about this. And he, my Darius James, played for Joe Wickline at Texas, and mm-hmm. then went and played for Herb Hand at Auburn. And I don't think Darius will mind me sharing this because we talked about it. It was pro day, I think, last year. Uh, when we talked about this, and basically he said kind of the fundamental difference between Joe Wickline and Herb Hand. And I think we can all agree all offensive line coaches got a got a bit of the red ass mm-hmm. to a certain extent. No doubt. So the, really the difference between the two is Joe Wickline would yell at you but would never tell you why he was yelling at you. <laughs> yeah. Herb Hand would yell at you and would get mad at you but then would go explain why he yelled at you. Exactly right. Yeah, that's so perfect. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense too. And it sort and again, of just reminds is, me of generational from, this, gap from this, thirty years ago to now, like sort of what the style was. And then now, you used to hear coaches be angry when a player would ask them why. And I've read so many different coaches talk about being angry that they these kids they just keep asking why, and it's like, well, don't you want to explain? Don't don't. And there was a rift between those generations for a while when you listened to between players and coaches. Yeah. And again, that's one player's experience, and I dare transferred and whatever but i think that pretty much kind of sums it up from a player's perspective the fundamental difference between the two but matt you bring up the why that to me is the one thing this texas staff understands better than a lot of other staffs you hear about that where stuff hadn't worked and i think they understand Mm -hmm. it better than charlie strong staff understood it and yancey mcknight's talked about that he said what they you know with this generation people can say what they want about millennials but he said, "This is a generation where you've got to explain why you're asking them to do something." I agree with that. It's not. It's not like the old school where it's like, "Hey, go do this." Okay, I'll go do it. Rod, you you're mm-hmm. from the and it, the, the why isn't like you're, you're questioning your era. Rod, it was still players that like I'm sure Mad Dog. Hey, you're gonna do this. All right, let's go do it. Yeah, no, I agree. And you don't I really think, question it. Well, they've talked about that with Josh Rosen and some mm-hmm. quarterbacks and the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just a millennial thing. It's like the changing of the generations, and I think it's a. I think it's a good thing. It yeah. should be more. And it's, it's just they're intuitive and they're a little bit more intellectual than the – we just talked about this with the playbooks, right, than the generation before them. They were all about memorize this play, memorize this verbiage and this language. And, you know, during when Chris Sims became a quarterback, quarterbacks were asking, like, why why is this play so long? Why the hell it are we – It used to be more militaristic. Yeah, like, like, you did yeah. it and they said you did yeah. it and the guy in power did it. And the question now was – Now it's Now the players are coming up with the names of the plays – and, you know, when they have the, the poster boards they're putting up, like it's the guys like, oh, no, put up a picture of Beyonce on there. I mean, <laughs> it's just more of a player-friendly, you know, uh, p- trying to get the players more engaged in well, the entire and process. Like an ob- observation I always had while just hearing these different, you know, whatever reports from whatever locker room talking about it, the why really was never something questioning 
the coaches thought it was actually just wanting the explanation mm-hmm. to be understood, but I think it was misunderstood in between because some coaches took that as you are questioning me instead of being, no, I just want to learn. And that's a big difference. So uh, as we close this episode out, I want to talk about this fourth down stuff. And we talked about fourth down last week. But, Rod, I went down a rabbit hole and decided to chart every Love fourth down holes. that Texas had on offense last year. Oh, my God. This is going to be good. All, all 15 all attempts. Of them? Um, it was uh, 15. 15, all right. The only one of those, only 15. one of those fourth down attempts was longer than – Four yards to go to either get a touchdown or a four, uh, or first down. And the very first okay. one. So only one four, was longer. Only than four one yards. was only one was longer than a fourth and four. That okay. was they throw it on that one. It, and and okay. consider the situation. It was a fourth and six on the last drive of the Maryland game. Yeah, let's see. Ellinger, um, Ellinger hits Duvernay for, thir- for thirteen. Oh, yards. that was the interception. It was okay. the very first game. That's right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, that was a great play though. I like yeah. that. That was a close. But it was play. one of those like it doesn't yeah. matter. It's fourth and whatever. You got to go for it. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Everything else was really kind of calculated. And I wanted Rod to, to really go through the ones in the red zone. So this is what I, I looked at, and these were the red and there weren't that many in the red zone last year. You had a fourth and goal in the Tulsa game, which was mm. a Sam Ellinger incomplete pass to Colin Johnson. Yeah. So that was a failed fourth down conversion. In the West Virginia game, the one we talked about, fourth and one at the West Virginia five. Ellinger is technically a no yard game, but it was he got it, then they went to the replay, his knee was down. Ball goes over on downs. That yeah, we talked that was, about. That was yeah. such a close one. Too. If he converts that, then you know game. Yeah, he probably yeah. won the game. And yeah. honestly, the Tulsa game, if they convert right there, Rod, that's what I think. It's fourteen nothing at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or in the game, and you Early probably on, maybe you probably you, end maybe up run away with. That. I was gonna say yeah, instead of having them come back on you. Here's one of the more underrated ones: the Texas Tech game, first drive of the second half, fourth and goal at the Texas Tech one, Ellinger to Duvernay for a one yard touchdown. And he threw it there, huh? Yeah. Interesting. We'll see what that was. It a was it a fade route? I want to say it was like kind an of. Out a, I want to say it was an outcut. Yeah, yeah, it was an outcut, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember that actually. Yeah, I gotta go back and look. But no, I'm I think you're right. I think you're right because yeah, I think I, you're yeah, right I about don't that. Remember. And then the, the, <laughs> la, the last two fourth downs in the red zone were both on the long drive that led to the last touchdown against Georgia. They had a fourth and one at the Georgia 13. That was a two-yard run by Ellinger. And the fourth and goal at the Georgia 1, that was the one-yard touchdown run by Ellinger. But to your point right about wow. Sam being the you know, best goal line red zone short yardage weapon in the country, Texas, the second best fourth down offense in the country last year. It's amazing. Of the 15 fourth down attempts they had, only twice did Sam Ellinger not factor into the play. One of those was it was it wasn't a good call, but it led to them going back to the power stretch play. That was a fourth and one in the TCU game on their own forty seven where they ran a short side toss. They ran a boundary side toss to Daniel Young. Yeah, yes. That, that was a weird play. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. That was a weird that's play. That's like the do something yes. totally unexpected play. But then it like, was. And then they're like, nope, you're outsmarting yeah. yourself. Just go with it. It was. But then after that, they just went to the uh, they just went to the power stretch after that. Yeah, go and, back to the bread and butter. Just stick yeah. with it. And the other one was a fourth and two on the first drive of the Baylor game. It was a two-yard run by Trey Watson. But Ellinger left the next play, so I wonder if that wasn't one where it's like, hey, uh, you need to hand it off because I can't feel my arm right now. Did he left the yeah. play before that? After that. After yeah. that. Oh, yeah. so you might have been hurting already. There. Yeah. Did they score on that? That was a 
Field goal drive, yeah. And so he scored a field goal. Yeah. Like, not that he oh, so hurt it was fourth and two. It was fourth and, fourth and two at the Baylor 30. Oh, okay, I got you. And it was All a three right. yard run by Trey Watson. He was okay. trying to tough it out, and then he finally went to so the So they did convert that. They converted it, yeah. yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. That's pretty good. And he had to leave the game after the commercial. Man, that's amazing, though, that Sam's so money. Just get down there. Basically, what's it? So basically, you got to get what in the 10? You get inside the 10. You should. I wonder how. What his touchdown percentage is, like the closer he gets. That's what I gotta look at. Yeah, well, I mean, all all sixteen of his rushing touchdowns were sixteen yards. All in the red in. zone. Oh, yeah. they were all sixteen or in. Sixteen and then. Oh, it would be awesome though, to chart the, all the rushing plays in the goal to go situation to see. I've never even thought of a touchdown percentage on a rush play, but like to right? chart his touchdown so it's like just percentage. How, yeah, like how he's just yeah. he's just money when he gets down there, man, because he can want, throw it and everything. And I can go, you know, all twelve fourth downs they converted last year. Uh, Ellinger to Duvernay for 13 yards. That was a Maryland game. USC, a fourth and one. Ellinger, four-yard run. Uh, TCU on the first drive. He had a fourth and four. Ellinger to Colin Johnson for eight yards. Uh, I mentioned the Danny Young run against TCU that didn't fa- that failed. Uh, then you had, let's see, the Oklahoma game, a fourth and two on the OU 31. Ellinger to Trey Watson for three yards. That was kind of the out, that, that kind of yes. flat route. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. the remember, the, they almost set that up because the next play was the wheel route. Yeah, it was like touchdown. that. It's like that screen, like that. Yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Uh, West Virginia, fourth and three on the West Virginia 43. Ellinger to Colin Johnson for 26 yards. Texas Tech, fourth and fourth to Tech, 43. Ellinger to Beck for five yards. Fourth, uh, the fourth and goal touchdown pass to Duvernay. Uh, the Big 12 championship game, fourth and four. He passed it a lot more than you thought. El- Ellinger to Colin Johnson for 23 yards. Wow. Uh, the first Oklahoma game, fourth and two at the OU 27. Hmm. Ellinger, seven-yard run. And then the two runs against Georgia. So, yeah. There are I mean, a lot if, of RPOs there, though, that if Sam's reading that they're coming down true. on him and then you throw. So, yeah. So, I mean, when, you, when, when push comes to shove – just put the ball in Eleven's hands, and more often than not, something good's gonna happen. Yeah, he'll make the good decision too. But yeah, that's I mean that's unbelievable though. Yeah, I, I, I'm not shocked by that. He's just that's how that's how good he is in the red zone. The closer he gets to the touch, to like literally to the touchdown, he kind of smells it. That's when Bam Bam Sam comes out. And it's the inverse. <laughs> it's the inverse of modern offenses. It because is modern, modern offenses can move within the twenties, but when you take away the space and the field, take away the you shrink field, it. it makes it's it harder worse. for them. Yeah, but we have a tool. That yeah. is as unique. It's like modern Tebow. It's a great you know? point. It's crazy. It's a great point. <laughs> next Amen. week, next week, I want to build on, on the fourth down stuff because I want to look at that in terms of kind of the have we maybe been looking at this all wrong with this Texas offense, thinking oh they're going to be more explosive, they're going to do this, but their bread and butter, as we kind of talked about, mm-hmm. and we've got the numbers to back it up. Maybe their bread and butter is just that, hey, we're just going to be an offense that, hey, we want to get it to third and short, fourth and short, and boom, just keep those chains moving. That's our best defense is going to be a really good short yardage offense. Yeah. Uh, but we will uh, we will discuss that next week Agreed. on the show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. You get Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Seamus Pluck. You can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. Please don't forget to leave us a review. Like us. Five stars would be preferable. But please, thank you guys so much for the support. And thanks to Matt, you can get our archives, classic shows, classic interviews, all of that stuff on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.
You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.